0: Well, good morning church, how are y'all this morning? Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed some downtime, hope you ate lots of good food. I hope it's worn off so you don't fall asleep this morning. So if we haven't met before, my name's Jeremy, I'm the campus pastor here at the Hills West Fort Worth. And if you're here for the first time, normally you would hear from our senior pastor Rick or one of our other teaching ministers, Taylor Walling, and you get to hear from them via live stream Today, you're stuck with me live and in person, and so I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, But I want to encourage you, come back next week because we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Cosmic Christmas that you don't want to miss. It's going to be a powerful series. So in August, I had the opportunity to take a month of sabbatical, and I'm so just incredibly grateful to our, our other leaders uh, for their wisdom, their generosity, in giving me that opportunity to be away and to rest. And I've had so many of you ask, pretty much every Sunday since I've been back, how was it? And that's a really difficult question to answer in a, in a short amount of time. I could talk to you for a long time about that. The short answer is, it was amazing, incredible. Um, but there's obviously a lot more to unpack than just that. So I thought I'd share just a couple Of pictures with you. I spent lots of time fishing while I was away. So that's my daughter Hadley uh, with a striped bass that she caught. Fishing is a lifetime love of mine that honestly I kind of set aside for the last three or four years and didn't do a whole lot of. But in my time away I was reminded of the importance of doing things that I love that help me rest and disconnect. And here From the lord and so i did a lot of fishing i got to spend some time in illinois where i'm from and got to spend some really sweet time with my grandmother uh she is in her 80s and i hadn't hadn't seen her very much over the last couple of years and so it was just sweet to get to take her out for ice cream and spend some time with her got to spend a lot of time with my best friend we've been best friends since kindergarten he was the this is john he was my best man in my wedding we hadn't spent more than two hours together in over 20 years and so and i stayed the whole week at his house uh, and it was just a wonderful blessing. And that time in Illinois was honestly where the Lord spoke to me the most clearly and reminded me of some really important things about myself. And I got to spend lots of time with my girls and with my wife, and uh, just am so incredibly thankful for, for that, for those moments of making memories together. And then one more picture, I've cut my own hair for years, saved a lot of money. You, if you look close, you can probably tell, right? Uh, But it was the night before I left and I was rushing and the guard fell off and I cut my head down to my scalp. So I went through my whole sabbatical with a shaved head. I thought y'all might get a kick out of that. So I am still processing, I'm still learning from that time away. And I think I will be for some time. But one thing that the Lord has been teaching me is that there is a big difference in living from rest and living for rest. Um, And and that's something that uh, that I'm going to unpack as we go on today. But the Lord created for six days. He rested on the seventh day. He created man on the sixth day. And so man's first full day of life was Sabbath. It was rest. We were created to work from rest, to live our lives from the rest that we find in our Heavenly Father's love. And God's been teaching me some things through the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, and so we're going to spend some time there today. The truth is that I personally identify most with Martha in this story, and I think probably a lot of people in our culture can identify with her as well. But I think that Jesus would want for us to learn from both Mary and Martha. So open your Bibles to Luke 10 if you wanna follow along. You can also follow along on screen. I'm gonna start reading in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, "'Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me "'to do the work by myself? "'Tell her to help me.' "'Martha, Martha,' the Lord answered. "'You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus stops in Bethany, where his friends Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus live, and in John's Gospel, it tells us that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Some think that Mary and Martha may have been the most important and influential women in Jesus's life after his own mother. And so to get away from the crowd, we see Jesus stop for some quiet time, some rest with friends. I love the humanity of that. Some people think that Martha and Mary and Lazarus's home may have been a home away from home of sorts for Jesus. Jesus that it may have been somewhere that he came fairly often. We see several different examples of him being there in Scripture. And I love this picture of Jesus going somewhere that's comfortable for him, somewhere with people that he loves to rest, because Jesus just wants to be with people that he loves. You know, I think about everything that goes into the holiday gatherings like what we all just experienced this last week and what we're going to experience over the next month. And if you've ever hosted one of those, then you understand what it was like for Martha to host some people in her home. Because there is so much preparation to do, right? Like all of the cleaning, all of the chores, all of the food that we prepare. And if you're anything like me with a little bit of a perfectionist streak then it's easy to get caught up in the frenzy of wanting things to be just perfect. And we know that Martha has a heart of service that is shown by her willingness to open her home to Jesus and his disciples. It seems that Martha and her household had significant financial resources. They were likely ongoing supporters and funders of Jesus' ministry. And so this act of them hosting them in their home is, is another sacrifice that they are making in support of the work that Jesus is doing. But even more than that, it's a way to bless their friends. Martha seems to be the leader of her household. She's likely the oldest sibling. She seems to be a rule follower. We see her doing the, the culturally appropriate and expected things in the passage. The fact that she has her own house says that she's independent, that she is respected because in that day it would be rare for a female to be able to provide for herself. Martha takes responsibility for her household and for the care of her guests. She loves them, she loves Jesus, and she wants to offer him her best. And then we see Mary. I think we can assume that Mary is a bit more free-spirited, that maybe she likes to color outside the lines a bit, to do things her own way. And you know, in, in Jewish tradition, sitting at the feet of a rabbi was reserved for that rabbi's disciples. In Acts 22, we, the apostle Paul tells us that he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who was an esteemed rabbi. In Israel. And so Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, at the feet of her rabbi. And so from that, we know that she's one of his disciples. And I think we can safely assume that her sister Martha would be welcomed there next to her at the feet of Jesus as well. We know that Mary loves Jesus. She drops everything to go and, and learn from him, to hear from him. She wants to be in his presence. Both of these women love Jesus. Both of them are his disciples. They want to honor him. They want to serve him. And yet, we see two very different ways that they respond to being in the presence of Jesus. So let's start with what we see in Martha. I think her heart is in the right place. At least in the beginning, I think her her motivation is pure. She wants to serve Jesus and the other guests out of her love for them. And yet we see Martha get distracted. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, the original Greek words that are used in combination here uh, to describe her distraction can literally be interpreted to mean to drag away or to drag heavy weight around and around and around. You know, that's a great description of my heart sometimes. I wonder if you can relate. I love the Lord I want to please him. I want to serve him. I've given him my life. My heart is his. And yet I can be so easily distracted. Feeling at times like I'm just going around and around and around in circles, carrying weight that was never intended for me to carry. Like the weight of life is just too much at times, and it just takes all the energy I have to just keep dragging it along with me. Can you relate to that? Does it ever feel like that? You know, I was raised in a Christian community that seemed to be most concerned with with striving and doing the right things or not doing too many of the wrong things. And if you do enough right things and don't do too many wrong things, then somehow, some way, that leads to acceptance by Jesus. And if you just work hard enough, if you just do enough, if you just check the right boxes, then maybe, if you're really lucky, you will be right with God. And I think maybe some of what we see in Martha is this, right? Her intentions are good. She wants to serve the Lord. She wants to offer him her best. She wants things to be perfect for him. She wants the the meal to be just right, the house to be clean and comfortable. She wants her guests to feel honored and special and loved by her. She doesn't want to leave anything undone. She wants the best for them. And yet for Jesus, something else matters more. Jesus just wants to be with people that he loves. And somewhere along the way, it seems that that Martha's heart shifts just a bit. This well-intended preparation becomes a distraction. And while we see Mary drawing near to Jesus, Martha is being drawn away. She seems to be dragging some heavy weight with her. And maybe what shifted in her heart was instead of it being about Jesus, she made it about her. Maybe she was worried about how she would be seen by her guests. Maybe she became worried about her reputation. Maybe she became more concerned about gaining the approval of her guests than about actually serving and caring for them. And that shift leads her to become stressed and anxious. And we see her start to blame others. But Mary won't. Why won't Mary And yet, from the outside, we can see this isn't really about Mary. She starts to question God's care for her. Lord, don't you care? How often do we ask the same question? We start to think that he doesn't care for us anymore. God, why didn't this go the way I wanted it? God, why didn't you do that? God, why is this happening to me? Do you even care? And yet I think so often the reality is we are so distracted that we never even take the time to sit down at his feet and ask him what he thought in the first place. Or ask him which way we should go. Or we just spend all of our energy collecting and processing all of the information that we can get our hands on, all of our own reasons, all of our own arguments... And we don't go to the only one who can see the whole picture. We're too distracted to sit at his feet. So when is the last time that you sat still at the feet of Jesus, just listening for his voice? Do you believe that he still speaks to us? I do. And yet so often, I don't listen. And then Martha goes Further down this road of distraction, she starts telling Jesus what to do. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. Two things that don't ever go together. Lord, followed by the demand that you're making, right? You can't declare that Jesus is your Lord and then in the same breath demand he does things your way. But Martha does that very thing, and how often do we do that as well? She gets caught up in her need to please others, and she makes this demand of Jesus. And maybe this is really what's at the heart of it for Martha. She wants to be in control. She wants to manage the situation. She wants to manage how Jesus sees her, and and we so often do the very same thing. We live in a culture that tells us we can control things. We're told to protect our image at all costs and to project the image that we want people to have of us, to control everything, and yet anxiety and depression are at epidemic levels. We only think we control things. We live in a culture of control freaks, and yet we can't really control anything. Only God controls things. He holds the whole world in his hands, and when we step out of our appropriate posture of surrender toward our heavenly king by trying to control things that only he can control, the result is running ourselves around and around and around in circles, dragging heavy weight that we were never intended to carry distraction, stress, anxiety, frustration. You know, no one is busier than someone trying to control everything. No one is more stressed than somebody trying to manage the perception of others. Nothing is more stressful or anxiety producing. If you want people to think you're important or if you want people to think that you are a certain type of person, you will wear yourself out managing their perception. And if you want things to always go a certain way, and you would be willing to do anything to make that outcome happen, you will exhaust yourself. And especially if we think that somehow we can manage the perception of Jesus toward us. Biblical truth that the Lord is still teaching me to accept and to live into, is that Martha was accepted and loved by Jesus from the beginning. Before she did anything, before she opened her home, before she served a meal, before she made any preparations, she was loved, and so am I, and so are you. No matter how perfect her house looked, no matter how good The meal was Jesus wanted to be with her because he loves her and has good things for her, and Jesus just wants to be with people that he loves. There is simply nothing she could have done to make him love her any more or any less, even when she demanded things of him. And that's true for us too. There is nothing we can do or not do To make him love us any more than he already does. You don't have to make yourself into someone that Jesus loves. We often feel that we have to do all these things to make Jesus happy. When really all he wants is our surrendered hearts. And for us to sit at his feet. And we see how gently... And how lovingly Jesus responds to Martha's anxiety, even after she is so demanding of him. In verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, 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 just look at me. Martha. Martha. You are so worried about so many things. Martha, only one thing matters. Jeremy, why are you so worried about so many things? Why are you carrying things around that aren't yours to carry? Martha, Martha, but only one thing matters, Jesus says. Only one thing is needed. And the one thing that's needed for Martha, the one thing that's needed for me, for you, is to receive the gracious presence of Jesus, to listen to his words, to know that we are valued not for what we do or how well we do it, but for who we are as children of God. Mary sees it. Mary's drawing near to Jesus. She's sitting at his feet, listening to every word that comes out of his mouth, letting his words penetrate her heart in a posture of obedience and dependence. Mary seems to know her desperate need to be in the presence of Jesus. Martha, however, she seems to miss it at times. She has the luxury of the physical incarnate God right in the next room, and yet she gets distracted. Can you imagine? Jesus... Physically sitting in the next room, sitting in his presence, hearing his voice, seeing his face. Wouldn't that be amazing? But here's the truth. We have something better than the physical presence of Jesus. Jesus said it himself. It was better for me to go in John 16. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Friends, if you've surrendered your heart to Jesus, then the very Spirit of God lives within you. And Jesus says this is better. We can rest in his presence anytime we choose to. He's not gonna get up and leave the house and go away for a while where we just have to manage without him. His presence is always with us. The presence of God can never be taken from you. It's always available. And so this passage paints this picture of two ways of living, one dry and exhausting, one life-giving and refreshing. And the truth is, church, the biggest thing the Lord taught me while I was away on sabbatical is that for too long and too much of the time, I've been living the first way. My heart is surrendered to the Lord. I want to honor him. And because of how I'm wired and how I first learned to relate to the Lord, I will go And go and go from one thing to the next to the next. I'll serve and I'll give and I'll work and I'll strive because somehow, subconsciously, I start to think it makes the Lord love me more. And if I'm not careful, I will wear myself out doing all these things to please the one that I don't even have time to spend time with. I'm busying myself with striving and working and so busy that it's easy to not take time to sit at his feet and listen to his voice. And peace begins to evaporate from my life. It feels almost unattainable. Your life can be so packed full of good things that you are doing to please God that you never actually take the time to speak his name or sit in his presence. And that way of life, friends, is an empty well. And before you know it, I've worn myself out, I'm exhausted, and I start to look for the next opportunity to rest. Oh, man, if I could just get through the next two weeks, I have a long weekend. Oh, goodness, if I could just get to May, I've got vacation coming, right? And my posture so quickly becomes one of survival until the next opportunity to rest, working for rest instead of from it. And this is not what God wants for us. Our lives with him are not meant to be a grind. It's not meant to chew us up and spit us out. The world is hard, of course. What goes on around us every day is brutal. But the way of Jesus is supposed to be a better way. He says he offers life to the full, not life that we can somehow manage, not life that just beats us up and wears us out. If we can just hang on and survive, we'll be okay. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He offers life that is so much better. He says his way is the better way. Rest for your soul. Friends, do you feel like you need rest? Because here's the truth we don't work for God's love, we rest in God's love. And it's not that the work doesn't matter, it matters tremendously. What Martha was doing mattered, and ours matters too. We've been called to the most important work in the history of the world, the mission of Jesus Christ. But what Jesus is telling us is that we must approach the work from a place of resting in the love of our Father in heaven. The work isn't dependent on us. It's dependent on him. And we have to learn to faithfully and regularly abide in the presence of Jesus, sit at his feet, be refilled, be refreshed, be reminded of who we are and who he is. Nothing is more important so that we can walk and live and work from a place of security and confidence, from a place of peace and rest, learning to be a non-anxious presence In a world full of anxiety and stress. Because Jesus' disciples are not called to either sit or serve, but rather to sit and serve. We do both. We sit at the feet of Jesus so that we can serve boldly in his name. A pastor friend of mine shared a quote recently that a mentor of of his shared with him, and I thought it fit this so well. His mentor said, There are two things that you must invest in above all else. How you walk and how you rest. Get great shoes and a great mattress. I love that. Jesus is both the mattress and the shoes for us. He gives us what we need for both walking and resting. And so I want to conclude by sharing two very practical things that I've been implementing in my life that I found to be very helpful. Now, I'm telling you these things not as somebody who has this figured out, but I'm telling you this as as just two examples of things that have been helpful on the journey that I'm on. The first is this, spending intentional time in the presence of Jesus, not just reading scripture. Now, let me be clear. I am not at all diminishing the importance of reading scripture. I'm so thankful for parents who taught me the significance of God's word and to spend time in it daily. It's been a part of my rhythm for years and years and years and will always be spending time in God's word. And yet what I wasn't taught growing up was how to abide in the presence of God, how to listen for his voice, how to just be still and silent in God's presence to discern where is it that the Holy Spirit may be leading me to go. I wasn't taught how to sit at his feet and listen for his voice. And so I've had to make a shift in how I spend my time with the Lord. I used to just get up and I'd pray and I'd open my Bible and start to read. Now I get up and I give the day to to the Lord and then I just sit still and quiet in his presence and I ask him, Lord, what do you have for me today? And I listen, and I listen. And sometimes that may be 15 minutes, it's at least 10. Sometimes it may be 45 minutes or an hour. But I'm not gonna open my Bible until I've sat in the presence of the Lord and given him some space in the quiet to speak to me. And then I open his word. And you know what? My time in his word has been so much richer since I've made that change. Because I'm in a posture to receive differently than when I just rush to that place of diving in and reading. And maybe for you, it's really hard to think about starting your day with that, or where would I carve out some time? Just start somewhere, because if it's important, you'll make the time, you'll make the time. And I'm telling you, in the times we live in, this is crucial, to sit at the feet of Jesus. There's an app called the Pause app that's been incredibly helpful for me, and I'll, I'll tell you about that here in a second. But it just helped give gave me some handles for that time and taught me how to use that time. Then the second thing is benevolent detachment, an interesting phrase. But this is a practice that I learned from John Eldridge, who is a, an author and a Christian counselor. There's a picture of his most recent book, incredible book that's been so helpful for me. I'd highly recommend it. I learned some of these practices in it, but that QR code will take you to a web page where you could find out about the book and you can also learn about the pause app that I referenced. But in this, this phrase, benevolent detachment, benevolent means kindness. It means something done in love. Detachment means getting some healthy distance. And so this is the simple practice of taking time each day to just pray this Lord Jesus I give everyone and everything to you I give everyone and everything to you and then to just spend some moments going down the things that are on your heart and going Lord I give that to you it may be as simple as the the drive and traffic that's ahead of you that morning and as heavy as whatever addiction or struggle you're walking through, but handing that to Jesus. And you know, here's the thing. I have lived my whole life saying I'm surrendered to Jesus, but the truth is, church, so many times something has to get so heavy and so big that I just can't manage it anymore before I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I give this to you. What has changed for me is making it a practice, making it a discipline that I am going to give you the things in my life that I Am Not supposed to be carrying. It cha- I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say this has been life changing for me, church. And what, what has been a, a, a morning and a last thing before I go to bed practice has now become something that is just all throughout my day. I find myself getting off the, the phone from a difficult conversation going, Lord Jesus, I give this to you. I'm not going to carry it one second longer than hanging up that phone, because it's not for me to carry. I can trust you. You're worthy of my trust, and this is what you tell me to do. This is the invita- invitation, to church. He went to the cross to make it possible for us that we could hand everything to him, that we could surrender everything to him. He gave his very life for us, and we can trust him with our lives. We can give him our heavy burdens. We can give him our broken, weighed-down lives, and he offers us full, abundant life in return. Full surrender. What a gift. And so I want to wrap up with a story, and I'm going to be honest. This is a little bit painful to tell, but I love you guys. I trust you and I want to be transparent. So on the last night of my sabbatical, I was sitting around the table at dinner with my family, my wife, my three daughters, and going back to work the next morning. And I I asked my girls, so what's been the best part about having dad home for the last month? And my eight-year-old Hadley, without missing a beat, says, well, you haven't been grumpy. And my 10-year-old, Nora, quickly follows up with, yeah, we've had so much fun. We've laughed so much. You know, church, that was really hard to hear. And five weeks or so before that, I would have been really hurt. I would have been defensive. I would have tried to persuade them otherwise. But on my sabbatical, the Lord made clear to me they were absolutely right. Because somewhere along the way, I started dragging around weight that wasn't mine to carry. And instead of living life full of joy, unburdened because of what Jesus has done for me, so much of the time, it made me someone who was stressed out, anxious, and not very much fun to be around. And I'm really, really sorry for that. You know, the past few years have been so heavy. And, and I didn't fully understand the toll it had taken on me until I was able to silence all the noise, get off of social media, disconnect, and just be with the Lord. And listen to the voice of the ones who love me most, Jesus and my family. And while I'm thankful for that sabbatical, I don't have to have a month away to spend time in his presence. And neither do you. He loves you. He lives in you. He wants to be with you. Jesus just wants to be with people that he loves. And so my challenge for us today, may we practice living in the presence of Jesus, being the people he is calling us to be because we've spent time at his feet. Let me pray. So Father, Lord Jesus, in this moment, we give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. The things that are heavy on our hearts, the things that may seem small, but that are weighted to us, we, we hand them to you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we give everyone and everything to you. God, would you help us to be people who prioritize being in your presence? That we would come and sit at your feet. That we would learn to silence the noise of our lives. We would learn to plug our phones in and leave them that we would learn to disconnect from social media and the news, that we would learn, instead of going to all the sources of information that bombard us every day, that we would go to the one place where the truth comes from. We would sit at your feet, Lord. We need your help. Our culture tells us a thousand different messages and we get sucked into the whirlwind in a second if we're not diligent. So God, would you give us what we need Would you change our hearts? Would you teach us how to live as unhurried, non-anxious people in a world that is full of hurry and anxiety? We honor you, Jesus, and we want to be more like you. And it's in your name I pray.